Going beyond the headlines? Getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Well, good afternoon, 409. I'm Jody Hughes in for Angela for the rest of the week and the start of next week. You likely heard about uh, this pipeline protest that was happening yesterday outside of Liberal MP Kent Hare's office here in Calgary. Um, some groups reporting that there were around 24, 25 anti-pipeline activists there uh, playing some Indigenous drums and uh, holding up signs. And then all of a sudden that crowd ended up swelling to nearly 100 people because there were pro-pipeline demonstrators there who started to sing. the feeling of what was going on down there. I wanted to welcome to the program Brett Wilson. Earlier I called you Mr. Wilson. I apologize for calling you <laughs> I can Mr. I live with Mr. Brett Wilson, but Mr. Wilson's my father, oh. so we reserve that name for him. That's but fair. But I appreciate the opportunity. I don't like being called Mr. Hughes either, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <No>. ma'am. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, so, Brett, let's talk a little bit about this. I mean, this is a discussion you've been having, I'm sure, everywhere you go, but we're certainly able to see it uh, from the outside on places like Twitter. Uh, you've been quite clear in your stance on uh, being pro-Alberta. What do you make of starting to see, I feel like it's some pushback to some of these pipeline protesters? Well, sure. And in the, in the noise that you shared, the sounds of that experience, we heard a bunch of people singing off-key, and we heard a bunch of drums being beat out of rhythm. So it's amateurs coming out to do what they can. And, you know, I think the uh, the moment where the University of Alberta stupidly chose to stick with their plan to uh, give an honorary degree to Suzuki, who is anti-Alberta, the essence of everything we are is a resource-based economy. He is anti. He wants the oil left in the ground, et cetera, et cetera. So the University of Alberta gives him an honorary doctorate. What that did was wake up a silent majority. 36 million people go to work every day believing that the government will make responsible, thoughtful decisions. But in this case, we've got effectively the universe, or pardon me, um, the government of British Columbia holding the rest of Canada ransom over some fairly... Um, inappropriately conceived modalities around what's right and what's wrong for Canada. And we do have a process in Canada. It's been followed. It's been followed carefully. And now BC is trying to, trying to interrupt all of that. And, of course, uh, Suzuki becomes a lightning rod for anything that's about BC interrupting Alberta. So it's, it's a gong show that's kind of escalated. And for the first time in my lifetime, we've got people coming out to protest in favor of infrastructure mm -hmm. as opposed to the traditional opposed. And I kind of like seeing that. It's kind of putting a new spin on the pro of protester, isn't it? Uh, and I think you're one of the first ones to really, you know, hone in on that link between Suzuki and what that says for Albertans, because I think something like that could have easily just flown by without many people realizing that the significant link between uh, Suzuki and what it's saying for us and our economy in this particular situation. 
Well, for, for a decade or more, Suzuki has been constantly slapping us. And we know Suzuki's funded through the Rockefeller Foundation, through Tides Foundation, U.S. oil interests, U.S. environmentalists, who are really, in a very full or disingenuous way, trying to shut down the Canadian oil and gas industry or keep our pipelines at bay so that they can trap our oil. We are ultimately the friendliest and most reliable safe source of energy for the United States. And while Canada has been held in terms of its oil production, two and a half, three million barrels a day for the last decade, over that same time frame, the U.S. has grown from two and a half, three million to almost 10 million barrels a day. And so while the anti-environmental um, or pro-environmental, depending on how you think of their, their arguments, but while that movement has done everything they can to undermine Canada's energy industry, the U.S. industry in their own backyard has exploded. And I don't mean exploded back. It's grown, and they've captured world market. The same thing with Tidewater Access that we're trying for in terms of Energy East, which failed, and now, of course, Trans Mountain's Kinder, Mar- Kinder Morgan's Trans Mountain, or the univer- I guess it's Government of Canada's uh, Trans Mountain Pipeline Project. <laughs> well, in a, in a sense, then it's all of ours. Uh, you know, we're we're seeing some interesting perspectives, too. What you, it, it's very difficult, I think, to wade through everything that's coming in and know what is legitimately a concern and what isn't when you hear, oh, well, this group is really upset about it. Then you'll hear from folks from that particular group who have a stake in it and say, no, we're not upset about it. So, you know, it's hard, I think, for the average person to sort of cut through the middle and find out, you know, where should I stand? Where should I be outraged? Where should I, you know, plant my flag on this one? But I think in Alberta, we've known for a while, I think it just gets confusing for the folks outside of our province. Well, and there's so many different platforms in British Columbia. Are they protecting the coastline? Are they limiting tanker traffic? Do they care about the fact that BC or Vancouver has the largest port in the world shipping coal to China? Um, Do they care about the fact that there's new pipeline being built to bring jet fuel from Korea to service Vancouver's airport? Do they plan to bring oil by ferry across if Alberta ends up choking supply of oil? I mean, there's so many conflicting interests and discombobulated conversations. It's kind of amusing to note that we've got First Nations leaders in BC saying we need to be unanimous in order to approve a pipeline. Of course, the people along the pipeline who've signed employment agreements, royalty agreements, passage agreements, are saying, no, we don't need the input from the other bands. So the First Nations are quite divided in terms of how they want to approach this. And that adds to the confusion because there's nothing thoughtful in an argument where one party says, we all have to agree, and another says, we don't even need your input. So that's confusing. It can and be, then, for sure. I Sorry to interrupt you. I just saw no. um, a Facebook post, too, that I thought was a great summary just from the the simple lay person, um, one guy, Randy, posted, looking for some clarification from my Facebook friends. Am I correct in understanding that as a taxpaying Canadian citizen, I just spent $4.5 billion on a pipeline that all Canadians, taxpaying and otherwise, will own, and I'll also be helping to fund the additional $7.5 billion required to finish it. Then, as a taxpaying resident of BC, I'm paying a legal team to stop construction of the pipeline I just bought, and back to the Canadian citizen part, I'm paying a legal team to defend the lawsuit I'm funding as a resident and it goes on and on, but it's kind of it, it makes a valid point that, you know, if you're sitting in certain chairs, it must feel like you're trying to stop your own wedding from happening. 
Well, British Columbia has gone to court to stop the pipeline, and now British Columbia has gone to court to ensure that there is still a pipeline. In other words, they don't want more oil, but they want enough oil. And so they've got two court cases going at the same time. They're spending money like mad banshees, and none of it's logical. And that's the shame of it all. We've got two parties who have got a tenuous thread on power. You know, they've got one seat more than the opposition. Maybe it's two. And what that really means is there's two individuals sitting in the parliament of British Columbia who effectively control hundreds of millions of dollars of legal fees and billions of dollars of investment capital for the benefit of Canada. It makes no sense. And this is where, call it the silent majority, is waking up. And David Suzuki has basically tasered Alberta and said, look at me, I'm getting, and the University of Alberta has played along. And by the way, the cost, the economic cost to Alberta, University of Alberta will be massive. They very dismissively said, oh, it's only a few people in downtown Calgary that care. No, they're discovering very quickly that it's a massive number of people with a massive investment historically in that university. I think Turpin, the president of the university, will ultimately lose his job over this fiasco. He is the fall guy, not Suzuki. Well, it will be interesting for sure. Brett, thank you for your time today. We always appreciate it. Look forward.